Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, we had a little bit of a technical issue with our sound. All right. So this is our nation program. The reason I'm bringing it up today, it is important. We have got 50, 60, 70 people working with it now, volunteers and interns working on group research projects. Um, those projects eventually turn into big things. The first project that started helping us spur to creating the nation program was a group of volunteers that came together and worked on going through 20 years of agenda items from the public safety committee and um, the com committee of the Chicago City Council. They dug through 20 years of agendas and put a data set together over time that allowed us to publish the report. We just published this last um, yesterday. I'm going to say last Tuesday, but this uh, yesterday at 9 a.m. And I'm going to be, our first segment is going to be talking about it. But this, you can make a difference. Get involved with our nation program. There's crowdsourced research projects, social media activism, public policy advocacy. You can become a social media ambassador. You can do all of that through this nation program. You can make a difference. We have a bunch of crowdsourced research projects going on. Some that are going to lead to pol or policy proposals. Some that's going to lead to legislation, some that's going to lead to reports like the one we published yesterday. You can get involved. Email us at info at chicagojustice.org and we will get you hooked up. Or actually just go put it up again. Go to this site and this is uh, Chicago or chicagojustice.nationbuilder.com. Um, we're changing the URL uh, this weekend and it'll just be cjpnation.org. But go to the site or in email us at info at chicagojustice.org Oregon, we will get you set up with the program and you can start making a difference. Okay, our first segment tonight is my sit-down interview with Lauren Cole. Uh, it's been previously recorded. It runs a little about 22 minutes. It's basically an insider look at what this Committee on Public Safety report, this 20-year analysis, what it took to get it done, what the analysis says, and a little bit of insight into the recommendations we make. Um... The results are staggering, staggering, staggering at how just ineffective, um, incompetent, ineffectual, not caring this committee is. And this comes down to one point and one point only. Should the legislators in any jurisdiction, city, county, state, federal, should they put restraints on the policing agencies that agency that the public wants and we're not talking about when you look at this report we're not talking about hey you put three officers on that corner and four officers on that corner and six officers here we're not talking about that there are some very serious pieces of legislation in front of the city council um, not the mayor's versions but the versions that have come from the aldermen that the mayor and some of the city council members don't want anything to do with they think that's not their purview. What the reality is, they're just trying to push off responsibility for police misconduct on the mis police misconduct, uh, police accountability system and the police. They don't want to take responsibility for anything. These are our politicians in Chicago, probably pretty much all over the country, but especially in Chicago. And I want you to think about that as you listen to this interview and you learn about the results of our study. Okay, so I'm going to start this and I will be back after it and we'll discuss... I'll make some comments and we're going to move on to our next segment and talk about um, the Sun-Times article on Alderman Talafario, who's chairman of the committee, his response to the uh, study. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. I'm uh, Lauren Cole. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you jumping in today. Thanks for having me. So we're going to talk about a report that Lauren authored for the Chicago Justice Project that went live on Tuesday morning at 9 a.m., if you go to our homepage, chicagojustice.org, it's featured in the center there. You'll find it nice and big. And basically, it is a analysis of 20 years of agenda items from the Committee on Public, what was called the Committee on Public Safety now, but previously was called the Committee on Police and Fire. And our analysis looks at agenda items from 2000 through mid-2020. And basically, we're looking to see, hey, what percentage of what they do actually focuses on meaningful police oversight rather than theater and just, you know, giving equipment away. And we'll get to that, what that means in a little bit. Um, for those who don't know, I've been involved in passing two major pieces of legislation in this committee. 
um, or through this committee. I was involved heavily in the writing of the police board reforms that passed under Rahm Emanuel in September of 2011. And then in September of 2016, I was pretty heavily involved in helping uh, draft and craft the Fair Cops Ordinance with Community Renewal Society and the Coalition for Police Accountability, which also did the police board ordinance um, that in the Fair Cops Ordinance is what eventually gave us both the Deputy Public Safety Inspector General's office, which that whole idea for that office came from me, but also gave us what is called the Citizen Office for Police Accountability. And if you've seen my previous shows, you will know I am not thrilled with that and think it's a failure, but you, all you can do is your best at the time. So, but we wanted to get a better idea of what's actually going on in this committee, you know, over a long period of time. I will tell you both with the Fair Cops Ordinance that passed and the, and the the reforms on the police board, those reforms passed in the corp, corp, corporation council's office, in the law department's office, with no alderman in the room. What happens most of the time at with with in the city hall chamber is basically theater. Almost everything is already set up to either pass or fail before that meeting ever takes place and before there's any debate. Um, when we, for the police board ordinance in 2011, when we finished that meeting, Felicia Davis at that time was uh, Rom's deputy chief of staff for public safety. When we finished that meeting, we said, should we go inform the head of the committee that this is going to be up again? And he's, they said, basically, no, we'll inform them. And I'm like, oh, it passed? And they're like, yes. I'm like, well, it passed with no alderman in the room. How did that happen? And they're like, Felicia Davis left and was like, that's how it happened. So, um, so even when you look at these reforms, such as they are, it isn't necessary that these are ideas or of interest, things that the aldermen themselves are pushing. This might be pushed by advocacy groups like us and others, but it's usually stuff that one or two aldermen may get behind and the, and the rest are just told what to do. And when we, we testified at the hearing in front of the committee in September of 2011 to support the pushing of the, the passing of the police board reforms and the, the, um, the aldermen looked at us like, what are you doing? <laughs> And I was the last one to testify. And I literally, it takes you 30 seconds to get up from in front of city council to the back of the chamber to sit down. And literally, I didn't make it out of the actual part of the chamber where the aldermen sit. I didn't make it out of that. And the, the ordinance had already passed. I'm sure they were mad I was blowing their tea times or their lunch. Um, but it was just, I was amazed at how much theater it is. So um, also, I just want to say one thing. Thank you to all the volunteers and you know who you are and I don't want to say their names because I haven't gotten clearance to say their names um, but I want to thank them all because a lot of the grunt work that was put into collecting this data was done by intern well done by volunteers last summer that came to CJP and wanted to make a difference after the George Floyd's murder um, and that their efforts led us to create the nation which you hear about on our show all the time, but if you're involved and want to get involved in doing research like this and you can donate two, three hours a week or more, you can really help CJP make an impact. So I want to thank you to those volunteers for helping us do that. We really appreciate it. All right. So now that I've gone off and lectured you all. Okay. So we are talking about, we're going to just call it the Committee on, the committee on Public Safety. Um, it used to be uh, Police and Fire. We're going to call it the Committee on Public Safety. So Lauren... Tell us what the Committee on Public Safety, what do they oversee as far as have regu you know, regulatory oversight um, as far as city agencies? Yeah, so the Committee on Public Safety has legislative jurisdiction over uh, matters relating to policing, firefighting, and other emergency city services. Um, and they oversee uh, organizations like you know, the CPD, the police board, the fire department, um, COPA, uh, the Office of Professional Standards while that was an agency. <laughs> so yeah, they have pretty big oversight powers with um, the ability to regulate all of these committees and have a hand in creating some of them too. They do, even though I don't think they know what they're creating when they do it. I doubt half read the legislation that they pass. Um, so tell us, the, go into a little bit about the methods for how you uh, took this data that our volunteers had previously put together and crafted it into this report. Yeah, so we went through agenda items from the meetings of uh, 20 years of the committee 
and we labeled these agenda items by um, oversight, easy oversight, um, donations, and other if they were unrelated to oversight. Um, and so the category of oversight is defined as agenda items that can be reasonably construed to lead to meaningful changes in the oversight of uh, Chicago policing structures. So that might include, for example, the creation of the independent review authority in 2007, or the creation of uh, COPA in 2016. Um, so, you know, it's it's something that can meaningfully create change because it's um, creating these large structures of accountability or reforms for accountability um, with the goal. Uh, easy oversight is defined as agenda items that have the potential to create meaningful change if taken seriously, but often the committee defaulted to the mayor's wishes. So an example of that there is uh, uh, appointments and reappointments to Chicago Police Board, which have never been questioned, never been turned down. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's you. If you could dig into the data, ladies and gentlemen, we go to the go to the report on our site. You can dig into the data. It's amazing how much this oversight. We're going to get to that now, but just how much of their stuff uh, people think like while they're doing their oversight responsibilities is actually. Um, easy oversight slash theater because there's never a no vote. So we're gonna get into this. So we're gonna look, let's talk uh, figure one. What is that showing us? Yeah, so this is showing us the categorization of the agenda items over the span of 20 years. Um, so it's just an overall look at the data. Basically, as you can see, only about 10% of their agenda items constituted oversight and the same for easy oversight, which means that 80% of what they were doing in these meetings was completely unrelated to any type of oversight. Um, and a big chunk of that is donations. Yeah, um, and, and the reason, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, the reason it's only 20% is that when we published this, we published, um, a five-year review of their agenda items, I think, many years ago. And that got outed about how much of over that five-year span was donations. And I think it was Alderman Beal that then moved to change the way the city council does that so that it wouldn't have to be approved by the city council. It wouldn't have to be a vote. So actually, they're still donating equipment. It's just that they're not doing it through that process. And if it wasn't for me outing them, previously, that number would be a lot higher. They just found a way to do it so it wasn't so public. Um, yeah, you talk between other and donation, 80% of the agenda items, despite all the problems we've had policing, um, and we're gonna talk about a little bit of that uh, in a couple minutes here, but all the problems, all the civil payouts, millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars over the span of this, we don't have the total figure, but it's easily over a billion dollars since 2000 that they paid out in civil judgments related to policing, civil judgments and um, settlements related to policing. Um, it's really pretty, it's pretty all pretty mind boggling. This how little they do their job. So, you know, when you hear Alderman crowing about the, the cost of the payouts and, oh my God, we gotta do something or the judgments or the lawsuits or the effects of the misconduct, you view that 80% of their time over the last 20 years, they've done nothing about it. Right, nothing. Okay, let's move on before I just keep ranting. Figure two, explain to us what this shows. Yes, so this looks at agenda items by agency and percentages here. So you can see which agencies they're devoting uh, most of their time to. Um, so a lot of this is, uh, you know, the biggest two chunks are uh, none of these agencies, then fire, and then the CPD next. Um, and it's showing that a lot of their time is unrelated to policing structures in general. Um, but it is important to note here that some of these agencies were created recently or um, had a very short lifespan. So it makes sense that there was not a lot of time devoted to those. And that would be Corporate Deputy Public Safety Inspector General. But ladies and gentlemen, over... 20, a little over 20 years, actually, because we dig into 2020. So it's like 20 years and like five months or six months or something to study, I think. They spend only 15% of their time, 15% on the CPD. And listen, listen, the fire department is an important, it is important if they're actually doing oversight for that with that 24%. We didn't look at it in the study. 
But my Lord, ladies and gentlemen, we're paying out 30, 40, 50, 80 million. I think in 2018, it was like 120, 140 million in civil payouts for policing. The murder of Laquan McDonald, all the similar events we're about to get onto. And they've spent 15% of their time on policing. And I guarantee you, most of that is the superintendent's changes, right? Phil Klein got fired. They brought a new one in. They brought Weiss in. Weiss, then they brought McCarthy in. Um, then McCarthy left and they brought an interim in. I think Terry Hillard came in for a short period of time. And then it was Eddie Johnson. Then it was uh, Beck. And now it's uh, David Brown. And I'm probably missing one in the early years. We may have gotten a new one from when Phil Klein, I think, came in 2005. So, wow, that is just startling that that 15% of their time and most of, not all of that is theater. You do think that, you know, given that the Chicago Police Department is the second largest in the U.S., that more than 15% of their time would be spent on it. And also, one of the reasons that the um, fire department percentage here is so big is because a lot of that is donations of fire equipment. So not even like oversight of the fire department either, um, just donations. Right, which is probably means the Chicago Police Department, some of them might be donating CPD vehicles, right? Oh my God, it's mind-bogglingly bad. It is really mind-bogglingly bad. Oh my God. And then you hear those members complaining about crime or violence. It's, it's, that is an amazing, amazing chart. Oh, so staggeringly bad. Okay, so we're going to get you on to one of our Tableau visualizations, which you can interact with when you get on our website. But can you tell us, so it's oversight and seminal events. What are we showing here? This figure of seminal events aims to show if accountability or um, oversight measures were prompted by big events happening in the Chicago Police Department. So uh, the conviction of John Burge is one of them. Another is the murder of Laquan McDonald. We wanted to see if these events prompted reform or accountability measures by the Committee on Public Safety. Um, and so what you can see in this chart is that they're basically unrelated. Um, there was not a lot of oversight happening in response to these seminal events, which is pretty alarming. Yeah, it's, 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 it's about unrelated as you can possibly get. I mean, you look at 2007, you're like, oh my God, there's a lot of activity. Yes, but there's almost no oversight. It's all donations, which has got a triple or quadruple, whatever the oversight is. And non-oversight action also triples or quadruples what oversight is oh my god just when you you look at these things it's really blows you away just how inept and impotent to this committee has been well it's so disappointing i knew this was there but seeing it the way uh you and uh michael who's been the uh volunteers worked on the tableau visualizations for us have put it together it's really it's staggering. And here's another one. And this will name Alderman, which I love because you can see which Alderman, who, by the way, one is still on the committee. And if I got the colors right for Mr. Beal, Ninth Ward Alderman, he was chairman for a year and he did no oversight during that time. All right. So we're going to move to the oversight and chairperson visualization that I just prepped there, figure four. What are you showing here? For this visualization, we wanted to see if there was um, a lot of oversight by a particular chair or if like an individual person was motivating oversight. Um, and interestingly enough, the most oversight done by any chairperson was William Beavers with 15 total oversight actions, uh, which is kind of ironic because he's one of the two older persons who chaired this committee in the last 20 years who's been to prison. Um, the other being Isaac Carruthers who served two terms. Well, uh, one and almost yeah. one and three quarters. I um and just for a funny story, it's so sad. It's so sad. Um, Ike, he did go to prison for corruption. We were working with him on the police board ordinance under daily at the time. He we I met with him and Alderman Fioretti at the like board of the city council, like the separator between the gallery and the city council, where the part of the chamber where the city council members sit during their meeting. And he comes up to us and he goes, what are you talking? What do you want? And like, we're talking about the police board. He goes, hey, I told you, you're getting half a loaf. That's what you get. You get half a loaf when you come here the first time. It's a good half a loaf. You'll like it, but you're going to get half a loaf. I'm passing it. We'll figure out what the half a loaf is, which means half the ordinance, I guess, half of what we wanted. So I come to D.C. where, ladies and gentlemen, I am 
sitting in DC now is where I live, but I came to DC to, for meetings up on Capitol Hill and I flip open the Tribune website like a week or two later and it's Alderman Carruthers pleads guilty to federal charges and will report to prison in like a month. And I'm like, no, he promised to pass our reforms and he's going to prison. <sighs> yeah, it's pretty crazy if you look at, um, you know, I guess we're boyous, Ariel. Um, Northside Alderman Jefferson Park, I don't remember the number. He has a decent amount. But other than that, although Telefario is, is sort of creeping up there now, if he could just get something passed meaningfully, it would be good. Um, yeah, it's pretty staggering when you look at these numbers, how inept most of the committee uh, chairman have been. Yeah, so we do see easy oversight numbers increasing, but oversight, you know, like good substantive oversight remains pretty stagnant, uh, which is scary considering the seminal events that we uh, introduced in the previous section. But um, yeah, it just goes to show that a lot of this is probably being done for media coverage or something like that. Right, and when, just ladies and gentlemen, when you're talking about easy oversight, and we've got, you can download the data on our site through the Tableau visualizations. Um, you know, most of the, a lot of, I should say most, a lot of the easy oversight, ladies and gentlemen, is them re, um, putting people on the police board, right? Because they have nine members. So if people leave, like some of that, one of those items is during this time is putting Lori Lightfoot on the board. One of those items is replacing her when she resigned to go run for mayor, right? So they could, if they have people leave the board or they have uh, new nominations, that could be three, four, five easy oversights in a year that they've never voted a person down off the police board or never re-voted re them in, right? Re-up their new terms. So a lot of, even the easy oversight, a lot of that is pure theater, um, even though it shows up in numbers. And when we do these studies, ladies and gentlemen, we, even though I'm pretty left-wing, I really try to do this as conservatively as possible so that it doesn't leave the people that we're trying to provide information on their activities as honestly as we can. It doesn't leave them wiggle room to say, you're just way too radical. This is as conservative as it gets. Because if you take out the police board nominations or then really the nominations to run the head of IPRA, to run IPRA that was here, to run the head of COPA, that they did that a couple of times, to run the police board, Max Caproni gets re-upped every few years. They've never voted anyone down. So if you take those out, we would remove easy, some of the easy oversights to make them um, you know, under non-oversight action, but we tried to be as liberal with those definitions as possible. So um, as liberal as we could get, that is as good as those numbers are possibly going to look for the committee. Okay, so let's talk about recommendations. What are our four recommendations? So our first is to pass a police settlement transparency and accountability ordinance, which would ensure that older persons will be provided with the facts of a case before voting on police misconduct, which surprisingly they're not required to do right now. So they're just kind of going in blind and voting on police misconduct uh, litigation settlements, which is not good at all. <laughs> um, our second one is to support the empowering communities for public safety ordinance, which would combine community proposals um, of the Civilian Police Accountability Council and Community Commission and Grassroots Alliance for Police Accountability to finally create the community-led community commission that uh, allows civili civilians some powers of oversight um, of policing structures, um, which was promised five years ago and has been um, put off by you know, Mayor Lightfoot and uh, other politicians. Um, our third is to pass the Anajet Young Ordinance, which would make the superintendent uh, directly responsible for signing off on every search warrant to um, eliminate more, uh, now let me say that again. Um, our third, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm doing it again. Okay. Our third recommendation is to pass the Anajet Young Ordinance, which would make the superintendent directly responsible for signing off on every search warrant. Um, and then the warrants must also include a detailed plan to protect children and other vulnerable people inside the home so we can hopefully avoid cases like what happened to Anajet Young again. Um, and our fourth is to create a robust police accountability database. And although one has been proposed by Mayor Lightfoot, it would only make a fraction of the complaints public, only those that were sustained. 
um, which means that if there's still a possibility that an officer has done something, but it was not sustained, we would not be able to see it. Um, so we need something that allows us to see each time a person filed um, a complaint for misconduct. Yes, I think all, all four are very important. The Police Settlement Transparency Accountability Ordinance is our ordinance. You can There's a link there You can on the website. You can go and read it. We're trying to get aldermen to file it and push it. Um, the amount of information that is currently available about police misconduct settlements and judgments is obscene. Um, and we all just have to always ask um, Mother May I to Mayor Lightfoot uh, or Mayor Emanuel or Mayor Daly to get that information, which we shouldn't have to do. And, Coming up soon, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be filing a slew of FOIA lawsuits related to a variety of topics. And one of them will be police settlement information because they just don't want to give that stuff up. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. You kicked butt on the report. I really appreciate it. Um, look forward to the next one. We're going to enlighten people a little bit about the history of our um, the Fraternal Order Police President, John Cotton-Zara and his his sorted history with the police department. All right, thanks again, Lauren, I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Okay, so we're back. All right, so I'm gonna to get to a couple of comments in the chat. Uh, Joe Asabacher is going back and forth with us, complimenting us on the report, which obviously we love, but also um, he's right in that the Public Safety Committee has the potential to be an incredibly powerful force in communities, right? But it's always, always stacked with the most conservative members of the council and always run by mayoral loyalists. And this is no different when you see Alderman Talafario, who we're going to talk about in our next segment, who's running it now. He's an ex-cop. And despite promises to of independence and he can call any meeting he wants and do anything he wants and it's not going to be like under Rahm... Um, it's pretty much like it was under Romney. Stopped the vote onto the elected um, community commission, right? He stopped the vote maybe once, once for sure, but maybe two or three times on that. That should have been settled a long time ago. But that's because he's taking his orders from the fifth floor. It just happens to be a different person there, but pretty much the same thing. Okay. We are going to move on to our, segment seg our second segment, which is... Um, the one media hit we got, wow, criticize the media, and then they don't write about reports like this. No TV hits, nothing from BEZ yet, nothing from the Tribune. We got one in the Sun-Times, and it was um, written by uh, Fran Spielman. I think the article is pretty good. Of course, I'm going to say that. If you got contrary, if you have different issues with it, let me know. I'm happy to take it on the chat, let us know. You can hit us up on any of the platforms, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. Hit us up on any of them. It comes right to my screen. So we're going to talk about this article. Let me show you it. And for our um, our podcast audience, title article is City Council Committee on Public Safety Portrayed as Do-Nothing Panel. You can, um, if you go to our Twitter feed, you can find the link. Uh, it'll be, well, for the podcast audience, it'll be when this, this episode gets Posted to the website, these all these links and all the images we show will be posted with it. Okay. I was really surprised that um, the first and only, well, it turns out only call I got, or pretty much the only call I got, was um, from Fran Spielman, anyone, any of the major outlets. Um, but she loves controversy, so she thought she could stir some dust up, and she did. Um, she... Use two sources, I guess the uh, three, the report, me, and Alderman Talafario is the third. So let's look at some of his quotes because they're really revealing. If you want to see why this committee has gotten not, nothing done over the last 20 years, it's thinking like this as to why. This is a quote from the article from Alderman Talafario. We are not an oversight body. We're a legislative body. Yes, we create ordinances that affect our police department and fire department, but we should not be looking at, we should not be looked at as one of oversight, rather one of legislation, the chairman said. So, yes, I'm not saying be COPA. That's not what the report is saying. So what I'm going to say, we don't want you to be COPA. We don't want you to be the police board. We don't want you to be the deputy public, 
Deputy Public Safety Inspector John. What we want you to do is if you don't like the Enginet Young Ordinance, if the you don't want them doing such outlandish things in raids, right, in search warrants, pass an ordinance saying they can't do it. What's the problem? You can't do it. I don't understand what the problem is, Alderman. We're going to be, in, we'll send him an invitation tomorrow to get him on the show and um, have, uh, do an interview for the show and we'll see if we can get him to answer those questions. It's, we're not asking you to be that. We're not. We're not. We're not. We're not. And I said that in the article. We're just not asking you to do that. He's a, it's a switcheroo. It's a propaganda thing. If we don't want them to do something and the people of Chicago don't want them to do something, they're elected and the people want their elected officials to say to the police department, make a rule and says, you can't do this. What's the problem? I don't understand. Make a rule. They can't do it. In Minneapolis, you don't want people kneelings, kneeling on the necks of suspects. Make it illegal. New York, Eric Gardner with the chokehold. You don't want them using chokeholds? Make it against the law. We can no longer rely on policy, which is what Talafario and the mayor are trying to push us towards. Someone has got to show me one success story across the country on police accountability where the police, police policy has worked. I don't remember any cities in the country last summer spared from the George Floyd protests because their police departments worked and were good. Show me one, please. Especially a major city. No. Nada. So... We're not trying you, you to be, we're not trying to make you an oversight body. We're trying to make you do your job and legislate. Even on the elected community commission, he's put off votes, put off votes, put off votes. Why? Because the mayor ordered him to. She snapped her fingers and he jumped in line. That's what you do to get those positions. His job is as much to stop reform as it is to pass any. His job is probably more to stop reform than it is to actually pass any. Sad. Okay. Here's another one. I don't think you should ever cave into any type of political pressure to get something done. When you do something, it should be thought out, negotiated, and then passed. For their assessment to be you rush to be you rush ordinances and you have to rush legislation to vote, I think is a poor assessment by that. Okay. CJP will pay someone. We don't have that much money, so I'm gonna only have to go hundred bucks. If you can see anywhere in our report that we said anything like that. That is an absolute either mischaracterization and outright lie. And as far as caving the political pressure, Alderman, the people who elected you elected you to do a job for a job, and they want you to do that job. What I, my report is saying is you're not doing it. And the last 20 years, they've never done it. Get off your butt and actually legislate some things. The, let, the polling is clear. The city, the residents want change to the police department. You're the legislative oversight body on the police department and the police accountability something. Do something. Pass something. To some extent, you are there to cave the pressure. Not immediately. You've had this elected school, this elected community commission. It's that those groups started meeting, I think, either in late 2015 or early 2016, when we my, the groups I was working with were working on COPA and the Deputy, Spec, Deputy Public Safety Inspector General, my friend. Is that caving the pressure immediately? It has been six years if they'd started in late 15. Five plus years. Five plus years. We're not asking you to do anything immediately. We're asking you to do it at some point. Some point. Mayor Lightfoot, your boss, the one who you take marching orders from, said in a, during a, when she was running, she passed the GAPA and the, the Grassroots Alliance for Police Accountability version in the first 100 days. Here we are, 730 plus, no ordinance. At this point, why do we even have the damn committee? If you're going to be that slow and useless. So that, that statement by him is either an outright fabrication or he's just totally mischaracterized mischaracterizing what we said because he's a politician they're pros at that it's a committee was proven to do nothing and that's what they do and he's trying to spin in this we got to be really thoughtful you're the city council you take orders from the mayor you don't you're not thoughtful about anything um, if you go to our instagram live instagram television you can see uh, lauren and i did a live talking about that and just the reality 
I'll come back on the show at some point and tell stories about creating the police board ordinance reform, getting that passed, what that took, getting um, Copeland, the deputy public safety inspector general. That ordinance came out of Community Renewal Society, and it was originally called Fair Cops. And I helped put some ideas in there. I helped write, I helped draft it, and put some revisions in. Um, so anyways, here's a, one last quote from him. I'm asking, it's asking to do something we have not done in the past. That is, codify police procedures. We've never done that. There are no police procedures that are part of city ordinance. The correct process to do that is through changing police policies and procedures in the general orders. No, it's not. It doesn't work, Alderman, but you don't care. That's the bottom line with these quotes. You don't care if they work. We've never done it. You're right. In fact, in 20 years, you did almost nothing on policing. So let's just keep it up. There are young people of color and older people of color dying at the hands of police being beaten. Communities are marching and protesting all the time. You've done nothing. Nothing in response. You're the boss on that committee. You could have passed massive change. You've done nothing. Please, someone. One of Alderman Talafario's, or Alderman Talafario himself, or one of his supporters, please show me a city where police policy has worked and restrained them. It doesn't work. They don't listen. They don't fear being fired. That's a con. It's a lie. We're doing a report on it later this summer. The uselessness of the police accountability system. All right. We'll be back when our social media fails in one minute. We're going to give you some information about our nation program that helped collect this data and was the basis of helping us write this report. We'll be back in one minute. Join a group of engaged and committed individuals advocating for transparency and accountability in the local justice system around the country. Get engaged through crowdsourced research projects, digital activism, public policy advocacy, or become a social media ambassador. Our criminal justice system will not reform itself. Communities must demand it. Transparency can be the fuel for justice our local communities need to combat the weaponizing of data by our justice system. Transformation of our justice system cannot occur until we know exactly what they are doing and who they are doing it to. Get involved today. CJP Nation. Okay, we are back. So we move on to our third segment here. This, I couldn't make up my mind. We have, we have some recurring segments. One is called Social Media Fails. One's called FOP Watch. The Social Media Fails one ends up being about the FOP. So I couldn't make my mind up um, about what to, call, what to call the segment. So we're going to leave it at so, Social Media Fails, though. And um, so let's look at the post. All right. So you can't see it well, but I wanted to make sure that I showed it to you. And I'm going to go over each of those points. Excuse me, this is about backlogs in a, a press conference or speech the superintendent gave. And this is on the FOP Live 7, the Chicago FOP's website. So, about why there are such backlogs. What are backlogs, you ask? Okay, you call 911, and in busy districts where there's more um, violence, especially at night and on the weekend nights, especially. Some of the more routine calls will get backed up and stacked up as they're waiting for the cops that are handling violence issues, right? Less violence there is, the more they're able to get to those calls unless there is of a um, backlog. Now, this is not, well, let's get to their points and I, before I start commenting on them and explaining them before. All right, so point one, creation of a thousand cop citywide team which stole manpower from the 22 districts as a cause for the backlog. Really? This backlog has been in Chicago 20, 30, 40, 50 years, 60 years. People didn't complain about it back then. The data wasn't easily available. Hello? Is it something new? That's, that's just a lie. It's a lie. So that would mean there was no backlog before David Brown came here and created this thousand-man team. You can Google it. One of the aldermen, soon to be probably federal prisoner, um... Rick Munoz, who used to be the 22nd Ward Alderman, that misused uh, some of the uh, progressive caucus's money, 
So he's under federal indictment, I believe, and he's probably going to federal prison for a year or two for doing it. Um, he used to complain about the backlogs all the time. He used to sit home and listen to the scanners. So it's not something new. This is just made up propaganda from the extremist FOP, uh, Lodge 7, and their horrible president, John Cotton Zara. Awful, awful. We got research coming out on him in the beginning of July. Okay. Point number two. Elimination of over 640 vacancies in the department from the mayor's budget 10 months ago. There were 640 vacancies. She got rid of them. Now, for those that remember, Rahm got rid of 1,400 when he first came in. And then when crime went up because it was a really warm summer and then people were complaining all the time, including the left, because a lot of the left is useless in Chicago. Forced him to hire a thousand officers back, even though there's no reason to. Um, this has been an issue up and down for years, whether they've had vacancies or not. How did the 640 just cause it when Rom, when Rom, under Daly, before Rom came in, there were 1,400? What is he talking about? This is just the same lies over and over. They just want more and more and more cops. It's the only answer to everything. We could give them 15,000 or... Right there at around 12-something, probably. We can give them 15, we can give them 20, we can give them 25. It wouldn't made a damn bit of difference, ladies and gentlemen. This is all smoke and mirrors. There's no scientific proof that says you give them a certain number of cops, crime is going to go down so much. It does not exist. And you look at the Police Executive Research Forum, Inter International Association of Chiefs of Police, um, you look at those institutions and they know it. Um, but it hasn't gotten down to the union because the union wants more officers, more power, more money, grow more power, more money. They just want that cycle to ever increasing. Here's three. Anti-police agendas from politicians who make this profession less and less desirable every day. Don't at any point question, even though you're in a democracy and you have the right to do it, don't ever question the guys with guns who have power to use it and kill you. That's what the union wants. And they're pushing that agenda at all costs. And the fact that with the Black Lives Matter since Ferguson and then again with George Ferguson, uh, George Floyd, sorry, um, people demanding accountability in their police departments and, and demanding that politicians talk about and think about how to reallocate funds that they just endlessly give to police, that's disrespecting them. It's an anti-police agenda. Chicago is no better or worse than it was five years ago or three years ago or eight years ago or 10 years ago. In early 1990s, there late 80s, early 90s, there were 995-something murders in Chicago. Um, it's totally ahistorical, but they want you to think what's going on now has never gone on before in the city, and it's always incredibly bad and worse than it's ever been when it's just not true. It's lies. But that's what you get out of the FOP, nothing but lies. Plummeting numbers when it comes to entry tests for police department. Maybe, but in all this, maybe, maybe. But, you know, who killed George Floyd? Who killed Eric Gardner in New York? Who killed Mike Brown in Ferguson? Tamir Rice? Breonna Taylor? We can go on and 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 on. Who killed all those people? The reality is those murders were happening. They've always been happening in America. That hasn't changed. What's changed is people have cameras now. They have cell phones. They can videotape it. And social media, so stuff gets out. The morale, if people don't want to be police officers, it's your fault. It's because of what you do. Remember, this guy saying this, head of this union, John Contanzara, he backed, we're going to do a report on him in the beginning of July. You won't see, believe the stuff he said on social media. And he's on the, he's just, he's on the police board, suspended now, in a, a hearing in front of the police board, basically on trial in front of the police board to keep his job. He's most likely going to be fired. 50 complaints against this guy. Um, you, it's his fault. Right? It's, it's the department's fault. It's the cop's fault for all those people being murdered. The public didn't do it. Politicians didn't do it. You did it. You're just pissed off that in a democratic society, the, the public has stood up and said, We're, we've had enough. Oh, no, don't question us. Well, it gets on to the fifth point. Historically low morale that only encourages officers to leave as early as financially possible. Well, I have two things to say to that. One, newer officers are cheaper. So that isn't hurting the public. Two, I mean, it does if you have real institutional knowledge and really good. But at the rate at which 
Um, police departments have been covering up for each other and officers have been covering up for each other. We might be better off with a much newer, younger, better trained force than we are the people that just cover up routinely for everyone. Um, and how do you know it's historically low? You know, every president, every person in your spot as president of the FOP, Mr. Katanzara, has said at that time it was historically low morale. That's all you said. You have said it so much. It's right. It's the boy who cries wolf. There, there's, there's nothing in it. It's hilarious. Um, I can't remember. We should, I should have one of my interns Google how many times they've had historically low morale. You guys are probably at negative 1 million morale at the moment. Um, but once again, the public did not kill Laquan McDonald. The public did not cover up the murder of Laquan McDonald. And you can go on and on and on. Just in Chicago and around the country, we don't, as citizens, the public, residents, we don't do those things in uniform, being paid by the state. We don't. It's you. Take some responsibility. The real issue about the, the backlog, and it's been the same thing for years and years and years, they respond to too many calls. right? And that's part of what defund's trying to do. It's just take away huge numbers, but certain numbers of those calls out of the police. If you take away all that, what you're left with then is probably the best thing would be only most only violence and where there's great potential for violence that really should be the only place that we're sending human beings with guns in but that would mean less cops that would mean less power for for the union may not mean so many union officials i mean if there was only a movement to take calls off their plate <clears throat> If there only was. Okay, so we're going to get on to our next segment. Next and final segment of the day. An oldie. Oh, is Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. We're going to go to segment four. We're going to do the kids becoming extinct next. And I just wanted to show you the letter. I know it's not easy to read here, but it is a post from Alderman Lopez. Once again, he could have been in our um, social media fails. But this is Alderman Lopez. It's not a letter. It's a resolution into the city council calling for hearings in front of the committee that never does anything on policing. Wow. Shock. It didn't go anywhere. Um, not that it really should have gone anywhere. Um, but it's him talking about, oh, my God, they can't stand the 12-hour days and the days canceled off. And what are they doing? Oh, my God, the poor police. Now, some of that is true. The reality is, no matter how many cops they really have on the street, they're not going to have a huge impact on violence. Um, that is an old world way of thinking. So, so he's partially right. But what stuns me about this letter is he never writes anything about this about accountability. He's fine no matter how many people, black and brown people, the cops kill. He's fine with it. He's fine with it. He called Adam Toledo a gangbanger or gang ganger to be because it's okay if you murder a gangbanger. Now I'm saying I've told you my position before on the shooting. It was a horrible tragedy, but I can understand where, why the officer shot given the circumstances. I don't think it's as easy as that still frame uh, photo makes it out to be. That said, when you talk about someone being a gangbanger or to be gang gangbanger, that's code for don't care about his death. And that's not, Anyone that dies at any, for any reason is a tragedy. And it doesn't make a difference who the person is the police shoot. You have to investigate it and make sure it's justified. The reality is Mr. Lopez, Alderman Lopez here, is, is carrying water. Who's he carrying water for? I think, honestly, Alderman Lopez is delusional. And he thinks he's going to somehow ride the Trump vote to mayoral election victory in Chicago. He may not do it because he has to give up his seat in city council to run for mayor, and um, I'm sure the polling is not going to be favorable to the man. But he's carrying that wing of the city council on his shoulders. And I want to show you a picture that's give you a little context. There is a picture. Now, this is a picture from the St. Jude March, I believe, which is about honoring... Um, fallen officers. Of course, great thing. No reason not to participate. But the person on the left there, 
is FOP President John Catanzaro. I'm going to wait. I'm not going to show him today. I'm going to show him when we report, release our report. But we have accessed the post, social media posts that he posted that have gotten him to him in the hot water and I believe are part of the reason why he's in front of the police board and looking most likely to lose his job. And then I believe he has to be a sworn officer to be FOP president, so he would lose that also. The misogyny, the horribleness of the pulse, it's just horrific. Why would you take a picture with him? Because you don't care. Because you're courting that constituency. Truth, honesty, integrity. He's got none of them. He's got... Kanzara is 50... About 50 complaints. Some of those complaints have multiple counts. If you're talking counts, it could probably be 70 or something like that. But he's got nearly 50 complaints. Almost all of them from internal sources. Lopez doesn't care about that. So when you hear... See these things like this letter he puts out. They don't have a lot of credibility. Because he never talks about the other side. Those are good issues to talk about. Why are you canceling the 12 hours? What does it do? The reality is Brown, Superintendent Brown, the reason he's doing that is he's doing anything by order of the mayor to reduce the numbers. Because it's all about short term. Right? Got to reduce the numbers from this holiday weekend to last. Got to reduce the numbers from this weekend to last. Got to reduce the numbers from this June to last June. From last July to July. Now, as I said, until the pandemic is completely gone and, and employment returns, if it does to normal levels or previous levels back to the early 2020 levels, you can't compare what's going on now. But they're in an all out. And we'll talk about some spin on Friday um, in that press conference where the superintendent talked about the backlog. I want to talk about some other things that he said at that press conference. But so. Yeah, Lopez isn't completely wrong, but he just has no credibility because he'll never talk about the accountability side. It's against him. Um, it's against his like uh, moral compass to talk about it for some reason. And then he sits and he takes a picture with none other than John Contanzara, the author of those horrific, horrific, horrific social media posts that we'll show you in a month. When we publish our next research piece, I think we'll be then on um, President Katanzar's history in the police department. It is quite a fascinating journey into um, probably one, what you have to say is one of the worst cops on the force. Okay. Um, that the alderman was more than happy to take a picture with. Of course. Who wouldn't want to take a picture with him? All right, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really appreciate it. We'll talk about the kids becoming extinct article from the Sun-Times on Friday. Uh, remember, we'll be on Friday at 5.30, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 5.30 here streaming. Uh, also follow us on Instagram. We're on Instagram. Soon to be releasing our first TikTok. Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Twitch. And we have a podcast. And in the next couple of weeks, we're going to start um, producing more exclusive content just for the pod. All right. Thank you so much. Um, we'll be back with you on Friday.